This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Eaton. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in once again. We have another great show for you here. Both this episode and the next episode is a two-part series on fall food plots. I know we already talked about fall food plots with Lincoln Roan earlier, but we're going to hit it again right now with Nick at Killer Food Plots, and then again in the next episode with Aaron Blicey from the Fall Podcast, where he kind of interviews us and we help him with some of his issues that he's having and some tips and tricks there. So stay tuned. A couple great episodes on fall food plots how to save your plots, when to fertilize, and what to do, top dressing, cereal grains, etc. So we can still plant cereal grains up here in Michigan, especially rye grain. And then if you go further south, you guys are still planting or can. So this is relevant information to right now that you guys want to hear. Some of the specific items we talk about with Nick from Killer Food Pots in this episode, uh, bucks and chicory, um, what to do with a tough year, Soil health, fertilizer, what to plant in September, um, talking about our soil test giveaway that we're going to do, and um, just a bunch of the new products that Nick's coming out with here. And Nick is offering free shipping on his new website. So if you go to killerfoodplots.com, you get free shipping through September, and uh, so you can get ready to either continue to plant this fall or plant here in the spring. So stay tuned for the episode, guys. It is another great one. I want to thank Dale from 5-2 Outdoors. Dale is located in southern Michigan and is within driving distance for a lot of our listeners. If you want a new Lazy Man fiberglass deer blind or a Packer Max Cultipacker, Dale is offering to cover the sales tax if you pick up a blind from him. So I'm do the math, $1,000 blind here in Michigan, that's uh, 60 bucks off right there. So, Dale, thanks for supporting the podcast. You guys can check him out on Facebook at 5, F-I-V-E, the number 2, Outdoors, and his website, 5-2-Outdoors.com. So please give Dale some support. Check him out uh, as he supports the podcast. And with all that being said, guys, let's get right into some more fall food plot discussions with Nick Percy at Killer Food Plots. All right, everybody, we're back. Ryan Hallblad, my co-host, with me tonight, and one of our great friends, Nick Percy from Killer Food Plots. What's shaking tonight, Nick? How you guys doing? Good. Doing good. 
How about you? Good. I'm doing good. Just wrapped up, uh, put some plots in, got all my equipment loaded up and, uh, over here on the west side and headed down towards your stomping grounds near Jackson. Going to Jonesville tomorrow to plant some plots. So I had a customer put in some attempts to put in some corn soybeans himself this year and it didn't work out so well. So we asked if I'd come get some late season crop dusters, leaf the winter oats. And uh, some deep woods in for them. Okay, and you're obviously still working. It's, it's mid-September here, and you're, it's, I mean, 9.15 at night, and you are still working. Um, <laughs> I'm really, you know, I've known you for a few years now, and I'm actually not surprised. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. My night, my night is young. It's not even close to being over. So. Well, and then the other night we were texting, it was about midnight was that last night, so I mean, yep. I usually go from about seven in the morning till about two in the morning, and then get a few hours, take a shower, and get to bed in that five-hour window, and get up and do it again. So, well, I'm yep. sure there's a lot of happy hunters out there that appreciate that, and uh, you yeah, know that's how, as my boss likes to tell me, that's how a business is built after hours, is what he likes to say. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. And this business has definitely been built after hours. <laughs> Having a 50-hour-plus-a-week job for as long as I've been doing this. So, Well, let's um, – you know what? First, before we get into that, uh, what what are you doing right now? What what job did you just leave? What were you up to? Where are you at? Let's hear about what's new with Nick Percy and Killer Food Plot since we talked to you last. We had John. <laughs> Uh, I believe it was April for some spring plot type stuff. So go ahead and give us a rundown, a little backstory about your summer, maybe your fall, how business is going, that type of thing. Well, things have been good. Nature, obviously, the center of most discussions in the spring, which we talked about. You know, there was a lot of rain and things were soaking wet. Couldn't get into, you know, too many of the areas uh, that I needed to for brand new customers. Most of our previous customers I put in our retained moisture nutrient absorbing pellets um, in the previous year or, or years past. And so we were able to get on most of those plots a month earlier than all the rest of them because, you know, retained does absorb that excess water and firm the ground up a little earlier. So that was nice to be able to get in. So we got started. Um, you know, we had some rain outs a few times throughout the year here um, last week. Last couple of weeks over on the west side for sure have been torrential downpour. And I think it pretty much blanketed the whole state. Um, so, you know, we've had had some struggles trying to get into some of our fields yet and some of the new jobs. But this job on the west side is a almost 40-acre install. And, um, you know, I think people – think that we don't have the same kind of problems they have in food plotting. We definitely have had our fair share of weeds this year, this year um, on a couple new jobs. You never know what's in the ground until you turn it over and get things planted, and then you're monitoring what's happening. This particular job, we had nuts edge come in pretty heavy. Um, this These fields haven't been turned in five years, and so uh, prior to that, they were farmed. And I'm guessing more than likely they had a pre-emergent down for for blocking any of the weeds that were present in the soil. And unfortunately, we don't have that luxury when we're planting food plots, as most of us know. And so, and I haven't designed that product or come up with that product yet, so trust me, it's on my list. But um, we had a really big problem with Nuts Edge, and those that don't know what Nuts Edge is, it's... Uh, it's the devil in a wheat form, I swear. <laughs> but uh, it, I had three and a half foot, I had three and a half foot tall smokescreen border patrol, and I had two foot tall brassicas, and the nuts edge was all of that, and then some, and it just wow. absolutely choked out all the food plots. So we had to go get everything sprayed. Uh, all my boys over at uh, Nutrient to come in and got all the chemicals sprayed to kill all that stuff, get everything killed down, and then we had to mow 
literally mow 37 and a half acres of food plots to the ground. It made me cry and start all over again. So I just, Holy cow. Finished, I just finished up. I probably have an acre left um, in an area back in the blueberry next to a blueberry field where they have quite a bit of deer traffic and wanted a, um, a one acre food plot put along the edge. So that's what I have left to do with this job. And, and I'll probably be working on that on Friday and just before more torrential downpour comes. But I wanted to make sure everything got dry, was able to dry out because a lot of the fields that I planted at this place have literally had standing water. And it's more like a Ducks Unlimited photograph than it is a Whitetail Unlimited picture. There's been so many ducks and geese in this field. It's crazy just splashing around in the big giant ponds that formed from all this rain so um they're starting to dry out though and where they are all the leaf and winter oats that were planted prior to that rain they're just popping left and right so okay that's what i've been doing you know just just hammering out plots and trained a new guy this year and uh food plots aren't for everybody he decided it wasn't for him so (laughs) right before fall planting so that uh made me work even harder and longer and um, you know, got Tracy out of the office a few days to come out and help me, and so we'll be doing some hiring in 2020. Anybody's got serious interest in being a part of the KFP team, so there you go. Now, your your client up there with this duck and goose problem, I know a couple of hillbillies with shotguns, aka me. They can come take care of that for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not the only hillbilly around because, trust me, I think eight or ten people this week, they've been out there doing work and getting ready, and they were getting ready for the youth hunt last week. People were stopping and asking if they could hunt. Holy cow, do you have the, you know, the wildlife going on there? So anyway, we are joking about it today. And he looks at me and goes, next year, next year we've got to get Border Patrol up around this place. Oh, because everybody can see in there. Yeah, everybody can see there. They're just big, giant open fields right now. I do have some border patrol growing on a couple in a couple spots where the nuts edge didn't come in, and I just kept it growing so they could get some perspective. But pretty disappointing to not be able to deliver the killer coupon mazes and and security uh, for them like we'd hoped. And I just could not see allowing you know a million new seeds from that nuts edge in the areas where the smoke screen smoke screen was still growing, but. I just I wanted to get that stuff killed and taken care of before it seeded out. So, so answer me this: How do you know when to give up on a food plot like that? I mean, you said your brass was still two foot tall, and the border patrol was three and a half. I mean, what what made you mow it all down and start over versus maybe just having all of it there? And then maybe well, nutsedge is nasty. Well, it's a good question, but nutsedge is a nasty, nasty thing. And so, you know, I'm I'm assuming that uh, clearly it's not its first year of its presence there, and it's already multiplied itself numerous times. And the reality was the entire field, albeit that we had all those other plants in there, the nutsedge was so thick around it that if I would have let it go, I was afraid that it would have strangled it. Um, it was definitely competing for nutrients. But more than that, is it produces, each plant produces so many seedlings that I could not risk putting literally millions, millions of more uh, seed of its, okay. of the same kind in the field. So at that point, before it went to producing a mature seed head, which is full of a lot of seeds, I decided to, to that it was better to call in professionals bringing the right chemicals get it sprayed and uh you know just have to break the news to my customer and start over so uh definitely was a heartbreaker but um it it'll pay dividends next year because we'll be able to get ahead of this stuff and um this year was tough you know i mean if we would have been able to get in there a little sooner and get things planted it might not have been an issue but you know it was growing right along with nebraska's in the, in the screening so in some of our clover chicory plots i mean just all of those we had a, quite a variety going into this property for the customer okay switchgrass okay. we had our switchgrass stands um all of it and just 
I don't know if the switchgrass will survive because, of course, that doesn't come up right away. But, um, but I, you know, I killed it and retilled it, so there may be some there may be some switchgrass coming back. But I replanted some of that, some of the bedding killer tree plot bedding grasses as well. So, so one more question: How is uh, this year been overall in terms of, let's say? success and challenges for weather versus food plots. I mean, Brian's look absolutely amazing. Mine are looking absolutely amazing. But we both have had some challenges along the way, and it sounds like maybe a lot of people have. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Yeah, it's been a rough year, um, for sure. And, again, you know, I just shared one of many stories of the challenges we've had this year and you know um with the rains that we had a lot of people got their plots in late um as a result of getting them in late we did not have we we had real heavy rain and then we had nothing and we went back into a drought and in most states with the amount of actual moisture that we received they would have been able to hold on to that because they have, you know, better quality soils. In Michigan, we have so much sand that yeah, a lot of it just leached out. So everybody went back to the desert effect, and um, you know, it it was it was tough for a lot of people that were out, you know, first time food plotters. They definitely got the full <laughs> the full gamut thrown at them between <laughs> extra water and then the drought followed by, uh, you know, excessive, when that happens, normally, you know, the thing that wins out are grass and weeds. So, um, so a lot of people were fighting that. We had to go and, and spray some plots for different grass and different weeds. Um, luckily, a lot of our mixes allow us to do that. Some of them, you know, uh, we lose a couple things in the mix and have to overseed and, you know, get, get things back on track for our customers. But, you know, that's one of the things when you hire us, you know, we stand behind what we're doing. We try to help people get over those challenges and, you know, offer up solutions for them for the do-it-yourselfer as well. Yeah, that's, that's the big thing, especially working with somebody like you, Nick. You've been around. You've seen all this before. and uh, There's there's not too much that can't be fixed, like the um, – corn and the soybean failures that you were just talking about. You, you have so many great products that uh, sometimes we get our butts kicked, but there's always a solution for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I like to think there's always a solution. Uh, you know, I I tell you, Brian, it's been, it's been a challenging year, though. I mean, it definitely has, and we've got some products that we can put into place for people. Um, it was definitely a year where we planted a lot of spring summer plots with the idea we were going to flip into fall plots and you know we definitely had to go back in and we didn't do the overseed thing as much as we normally uh, do with like climatize and um, some of our perennials you know we had to go back in and really do some hardcore grass killing when we went back and mowing so um, you know mother nature she definitely has been throwing a tantrum since since the beginning of the year, and I don't I don't think she's done. From what I'm looking at, the weather there's a whole bunch of rain coming for five days starting Saturday through uh, Wednesday of next week. So yeah, that makes it tough. I put uh, a plot of your chicory down, and I had to spray it for uh, with cleft twice to, to keep the grasses at bay, and then the ragweed. And a couple other things started, so I mowed it. I mowed high so I could knock all the ragweed down. And I, I got to tell you, I, I didn't give up, and I've got this beautiful stand of chicory now. It was, it was a lot of work, but it, it paid off. Yeah, I, I saw some of your pictures, and, yeah, it's looking amazing. I just got a picture from uh, one of our customers down in Indiana, and he was showing me uh, some of his chicory. He said his whitetails are absolutely annihilating the stuff right now but he showed me a picture that he had taken about two weeks ago where it went from his elbow from the the crotch of his elbow all the way to the tip of his of his big finger 
one one petal of the plant and he said that it is unbelievable the amount of bucks that are in those plots right now just crushing it because you know they're trying to finish their bodies out and get ready for that pre-rut and rut period which is the most stressful time of the year for those for our whitetails sure so here we're sitting it's uh september 17th you're still planting I'm still planting. I think Jared has some things to do. And that's that's the number one question we've been getting this time of year. Is it too late to plant food plots? Well, we've got a, a bounce back to July weather. This whole week has been unbelievably warm. Um, there are, regardless of that, there are some seed varieties that we offer that can be planted this late, one of them being crop duster. Uh, crop duster has our fall triticale, winter rye, uh, our crimson white clover, our lethal winter oats, and our KFP radishes in it. So that can be planted. It comes up quick. It produces quick. It provides very critical cereal grains, good ground cover. Um, it can be broadcast over an existing food plot that's maybe on its way out or um, grass and weeds that you, you spray, broadcast it into it and knock it down so um you know there's definitely there's definitely some options there with that product the other primary two other primary products that we're planting right now are deep woods which is always a you know one of my number one go-to for full sun all the way down to two hours that has winter wheat winter rye crimson white clover our kfp crimson white clover our KFP rape and our KFP radishes. So that can still go in. Now, um, depending on where you are, makes a huge difference. So uh, sure. if you're in the upper Midwest, Michigan, Wisconsin, you know, New York, up, upper Midwest area, I don't know how much longer this weather is going to stick around, but it looks like for all intent and purposes, things are looking pretty good for the next couple of weeks temperature-wise. Um, it only takes 30 days for those products to mature as far as the brassicas in them are concerned. Um, and they come up out of the ground quickly. I just planted deep woods on Sunday for a customer and he posted a post today. It's already germinated. So, and up out of the ground an inch or so. So our stuff comes up quick and this weather is conducive to getting seed in the ground and further south you are you guys still have real warm temperatures i know you haven't had much rain though have you brian uh up where i'm at by the by lake erie i've been getting some pretty timely rains it's it's been dry but i get about one or two good rains a week it's keeping everything going but i know people further south of me further away from the lake they're they're suffering pretty bad yeah well it's been a uh, it's been an interesting fall to match our interesting spring for sure so hopefully with this rain that's coming in the next starting Saturday for five days I'm hoping some of that makes it down into Indiana and Ohio for my my friends and my customers down there because it's pretty rough sure yeah I just uh, used the deep woods I, I had a about a two-acre soybean field that I had in the back end of my property that just got absolutely obliterated. And I actually put an uh, exclusion cage on it, which sometimes I forget to do, but I'm glad I did because I, I just can't believe the, the amount of browse that, that they did on that. And, I, and I've got probably a two or 300-acre soybean, a commercial soybean field to my west, two neighbors down. And I thought, well, this will be all right. They won't hammer my beans because we've got so much beans there. But I've got so much cover, they don't need to go over there. But uh, I'm looking forward to that deep woods coming up. I just got that overseeded in there or top dressed in there uh, this past week. So I know that's going to come in nice and help that along. Perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. And, you know, in your situation where, um, you know, you're you're managing your property for habitat and for whitetails and wildlife versus a farmer. Um, that's why we produce the new product in Crop Duster because a lot of farmers, when they go from corn to beans, transition next year into beans, they don't want to have the 
rape, which will bolt in the spring and produce a bunch more seeds, they don't want that happening in their um, in their fields because then they're trying to grow a broadleaf and they're you know trying to kill off your broadleaf. So, um, but in a situation where you're managing what you're doing, um, you know, on your property, it's not as big a deal. But for a lot of the you know listeners that have leases or or maybe lease out their fields to farmers, um, that's something to keep in mind when you are doing overseeding into a farmer's beans or corn just make sure that you know you're understanding what crop they're rotating into the next year and how that's you know what you're going to overseed is affecting how it affects them and what they're trying to grow yeah that's a great point yeah i also surrounded that entire uh beat up bean field with the lethal oats i made a probably 15 or 20 foot wide swath the whole way around that three acres. We should have plenty of good stuff for the deer no matter what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, Nick, what else could people be planting right now? Um, Your crop duster, your deep woods. I know my buddy Jason planted your deep woods earlier this summer, and it's like three feet tall in his woods right now. I mean, it looks ridiculous. It's awesome. Um, and there's not a lot of sun there. It, is there any other item that people should be going over their maybe existing food plots with if uh, you have one that's spotty? I mean, I planted well, your your oats and your brassica mix along with some peas. I hit it with uh, cereal rye again once. I'm probably going to hit that again, and then with... You know, I bought a 50-pound bag of your oats. I'm going to hit that with another top dressing of oats. I mean, what else can people be doing to help improve that as season gets here? Well, so one of the things that, you know, depending on what they've planted, have planted, um, you want to be careful when you're overseeding a food plot that you're – not overdoing your brassica type varieties. You know, we've talked about this several times on the show before when, you know, the the tendency is I can't see the, the rape and the radishes and turnips coming out of my cedar. I must not be putting out enough, so let right. me open it up for it. And then we end up, you know, they end up doing the UFC throwdown chokehold on each other underground. And, and you have, you know, a little, if you get any a bulb production that's the size of a dime or a nickel, right? So um, if you've got some brassicas growing and there are some spotty areas, you don't want to overdo too many brassicas going in there. So we, the products that I tend to use are a crop duster because there's only one uh, brassica in that mix. The primary um, blend is cereal grains, which are really, really important for whitetails during the mid to late fall and winter months because it helps to mimic the natural browse that are not available in the late season, which helps to stimulate their digestive system, as well as the our crimson white clover, which produces very quickly. Um, it can produce in low light conditions. Crop duster it grows just like deep wood, so it can grow from full sun down to two hours. And it's a really good option um, if you've already planted brassicas. Crop duster is a really great option. The other option has lethal winter oats in it as well. Um, the lethal winter oats, just straight KFP lethal winter oats, is a very winter-hardy oat. It's designed to be for the cold weather. Most winter oats frost kill, and they do better in warm weather. Ours are just the opposite. So they do extremely well as temperatures start to drop below 75, which is, I'm getting a perfect example of it in this property that I just finished up tonight because it's growing. It came up, it's up about three inches, and it's been in the 80s, and it just stopped. Like, but every place that hasn't grown, I swear you can sit there and watch it grow. My customer said, I went into the back to work in a blind, and it came up, and all of a sudden the field was all green. <laughs> he said, that stuff grew really fast today. <laughs> He said I was back there six hours. There was nothing in the field, and I came up here, and it was all green. And uh, anyway, I've been watching some stuff that 
literally got to about three inches and it just seems to not be growing as fast and all of a sudden the rest of the field's growing in. So, um, but once it drops below 75 next week, that stuff will start taking off. And, okay. and then as the deer start browsing it, um, it will, you know, continue to reproduce itself, which is very critical, right? Because a lot of times, depending on your deer density, Brian's talking about, you know, his browsing uh, activity on his food plot. You definitely need to have plants that are in your plots that as they're consumed, they can continue to grow and the cold doesn't shut down the growth. Otherwise, you end up with bare cupboards and you definitely need to have your groceries stocked up going into the winter. We're supposed to have a tough, uh, a hard winter as far as snow, but I don't, I don't know about cold, but I know it's definitely calling for a very heavy snow production kind of winter. Um, which can insulate, you know, snow can insulate the actual food plots and they can continue to grow um, and or maintain themselves underneath that snow so the deer will be digging for it. But versus when we get the freezing rain and, you know, the real cold, bitter um, type snow and sometimes that can can get so heavy and it can, it can knock down your food plots and or kill them off more quickly. So. Okay, and, and real quickly, um, what are your best plants that can handle heavy browse and regrowth like that? What would you recommend I mean, to the listeners for maybe some of the new people out there uh, on what's a plant that can handle that higher deer density? Well, lethal winter oats for sure. That is what we were just talking about. I think my about. favorite. I love it. Oh, this stuff is awesome. And to kind of loop back to your to your previous question that is a great product this time of the year to put over the top of a standing food plot another thing you can do is the crop duster like i mentioned because of the triticale the winter rye um the leaf the winter oats that are in that mix the crimson clover and then the radishes um if you know if you're looking to uh, to add some you know longevity one of the things that we're we're going to start doing is, um, or I'm looking at doing is, is continuing to bolster the cereal grains. And so we're applying winter wheat over the top of some of our food plots and our KFP winter wheat uh, is, you know, and I get that in 50 pound bags and we're putting that over some of our plots too. So um, with the Genesis seed drill, I am really looking forward to doing some no-till on some of my customers' properties in the spring. And continuing to build, you know, allow that organic matter to stay intact and not break it down from, you know, tillage and such. So um, that would be my recommendation for for folks. Those would be my my uh, my two top picks, and followed by Deepwoods. Um, and Deepwoods is our number one seller for obvious reasons. It, it grows like crazy, and and it grows in tough conditions, and you don't need all the expensive tools. Literally a sprayer and a weed whacker to knock down the dead vegetation over the seed that's about all you need and in some cases you don't even need that you just broadcast it right in the standing vegetation that you've sprayed to till off so okay so and then besides oats i mean i know clover could handle some good browse um what about rye or, or anything else what do you recommend there for some heavy yeah. density and some heavy browse yeah so rye is a great option rye is the number three I guess, if you will, um, number four, if you include triticale, our KFP triticale in that. So um, our triticale followed by winter wheat, um, followed by the um, the winter rye, as far as cereal grains go, winter rye is a, is a good option uh, for a lot of people. And a lot of people, that's their number one go-to, especially have a real sandy soil. They don't even realize there's other options like deep woods or crop duster or lethal winter oats. So they just plant rye because rye will grow in a lot of different conditions. Um, but it's not the most palatable nor desirable to whitetails. Um, they definitely eat it and they definitely will consume it, but they will eat, uh, they will definitely eat winter wheat or, um, the, uh, the triticale over that clover is a right now i'm glad you brought that up in this time of the year there's no competition there's no more grass and weed issue going on in your food plots if you sprayed to kill them off 
um, and you've planted uh, a great stand for Bastas or some other cereal grain blend or whatever for the fall, right now is a great time to get the Resurrection Clover or the KFP Chicory that Brian was mentioning and broadcast that right over the top of your plots. Get it established. Get it going. It, it may not outgrow what you have there right now, but it will germinate, it will grow, and it will set itself up for spring by establishing a strong root system throughout the winter months. And so, you know, a lot of my brassica plots that I've put in for cus- for this customer just tonight, we will be, um, you know, benefiting from the clover and chicory that went in with this stuff tonight with the crop duster and, and the lethal winter oats. Awesome. Awesome. And clover grows great this time of year because it's not super hot. You know, it's cooler. You have cooler nights. You have the dew that happens from the, the uh, day temps to night temps and, and the transition. So clover does really well. Um, even in sandy soil situations that, you know, because we're not getting, now this week is a little bit of an exception. We've had some 80-degree weather, but normally we're in the 70s. We're not getting that hot baking sun going on. And so if you are trying to establish a perennial plot, um, combining our chicory with that with the resurrection clover is a great time of year to do it. And once it's established, the chicory puts down a 14- to 16-inch taproot and so it's very drought tolerant, and then it protects the clover from that high heat conditions. And by putting it in in the fall, like I mentioned, you don't have the competition from grass and weeds. So you, you get a very clean, effective stand, and it spreads through its root system, the clover does in the, uh, through the winter months. And come spring, you've got a head start on all the grass and weeds and in theory, if you seeded it properly, you should not have a grass and weed problem going into 2020. Awesome. Yeah, that leads me into um, the next thing I want to talk about, Nick. Uh, and, and you've mentioned some of it. What, what can people do now, this time of year, to prepare for the spring? You know, if they want to plant border patrol or climatize or smoke screen, what can they do now to have a, a nice field ready for them to go come springtime? Well, um, depends on if they are have already established a food plot, or maybe if are if we're talking about establishing a new spot for next year, or establishing a perimeter around a food plot that they have planted, but wanting to create some areas. Um, you know, I've got some customers on the list that have not done food plots; they were not prepared, and they're. Um, to do them so their soil's not right and some other things so basically we're going to go in there and we're going to get the groganics hydration built in to your know, brought in and, and worked into their sandy soils we're going to be getting the retain put into the soil um when i do that i will be because some of these are going to be happening um probably going into the end of the definitely the end of this month or first of October. Um, several of these customers are gun hunters, so they just felt like, hey, we can wait till October 1st. We don't hunt until the 15th of November anyway. Um, unfortunately, with the amount of work after doing a soil test that needs to happen on some of these soils, that's what we're going to start doing. We're going to start building the the uh, biological up in the soils, get the healthy bacteria going, get the organic matter built up, Get some nutrients back in the soil and what we'll end up doing is we'll end up getting and putting some of our kfp winter uh winter rye and winter wheat into the soil or into the food plots i should say and getting them worked in and cultivated so that that can come up early spring create good cover for the soil so that we do not have an influx of grass and weeds going on um and then we will start to rotate these food plots into some annuals. I'm sure some of them will definitely get some screening, while other ones, others will get climatized and uh, white rage and some of our other mixes put into them early spring. Um, and I'll probably be able to no-till them, which will be great, because as you're trying to build the soil, every time you turn the soil, you break down organic matter. And when I'm trying to build that, um, I did this with a couple projects uh customer projects last fall in fact there was some 
posts where I think it was snowing <laughs> the day I was working. Um, but those properties turned out awesome with no, doing the no-till this year. So we went in there, crimped all the winter wheat, and I had put some deep woods in there and crimped that over. They had almost no weeds at all and no grass to speak of in those plots. And it was great to be able to use the Genesis to, to no-till drill and not have to turn their ground. Their stuff is up and it's rocking and looking great um, going into fall. So, Yeah, I, that's something that I'm starting to uh, experiment with on my farm too. And I, I'm trying to get away from all the tilling that I do, and I'm seeing the benefits of it from other people's farms. Yeah. How – how are you, you know, how are you, um, how are you managing your soil building and, and like, what are you, what are you guys doing in your uh, properties? Well, I don't have a no-till drill, so I'm, I'm kind of at the mercy of uh, using cover crops like rye and then uh, in the spring broadcasting into that when the soil, you know, using herbicides to control stuff when I have to because uh, yep. the I don't have the uh, no-till drill, the, the benefits of that, so I'm trying to do what I can for now. Well, what's interesting is, you know, um, I don't know how, how heavy of a cultipacker that you have, but in what, you know, what your cultipacker looks like um, as far as, you know, the shape, but I have a um, precision seeder that has a cultipacker on the front and the back, and then it drops the seed in the middle. But short of putting any seed in that, I use that almost I use I was using that as a crimper. And so your cultipacker in most cases, again, depending on the design of the the actual um, packer itself, the wheels, can can crimp some of those some of the heavy the metal ones like we have on ours, they can actually crimp and terminate a lot of those those grains. And so, I have done some experiments where we've – I have not killed the grain. I've actually just crimped it with the cultipacker, seeded over the top, and then crimped it, and then broadcast for organics, and off to the races we go. So I haven't had any um, – I've had nothing but positive results from doing that. So that actually led me to buy this the, and did a lot of research and whatnot to buy the drill that I did this year. Um, historically, I mean, for 29 years, I've been a till and uh, a till and call the pack and seed or drag the seed in and then call it the pack kind of guy. And I've not done the no-till, and I've been just, you know, watching a lot of videos and learning about it and understanding it and the benefits. And you know, as hardcore as I am about soil health, it makes sense to start working in the direction of doing no-till um, whenever applicable. But sure. obviously. I've got to get hydration worked into the soil if I'm, you know, trying to effectively fix the pH. You're putting lime and you need to get, you know, your ag lime worked in. And so in first, in, you know, properties we're managing for first-time customers or if there's been some uh, slip back in properties we've managed for a while and we have to effectively uh, address pH, uh, we go ahead and turn that soil we're working in our retain again. We're working in our organics in the in the ag line, and then um, you know we've got some new liquid products that we've will be introducing at ATA that are affecting effective, very very effective in building soil and getting healthy bacteria going and uh, energizing the, the dormant bacteria in your soils and start getting things off on the right foot. Um, so that combination will require us to turn the ground initially to get it going. And then from there, we'll just use our, our new liquid product to be able to effect, effectively spray over the top or we can put it in when we do our, our Roundup kill off, that, like you mentioned, Brian. Yeah, that, that seems to be the direction that we're all trying to get to. And uh, Jared's done some experiments with his Packer Max. I've done a little bit myself. Now, it might not be a perfect crimp like some of the heavy metal crimpers do, but it, it seems to do the job. And, and, you know, the more we experiment with it, I'm sure we're going to figure out a way to get it done. 
Well, a lot of people out there don't have tractors and big equipment, right? And so we've talked about that in some of our other conversations we've had on the podcast that literally, you know, with a little extra muscle and just a couple of farm, you know, a, a heavy tine rake, um, a weed whacker, a sickle, you know, some things that you that folks can do and in a one gallon sprayer, which, you know, costs you know, somewhere around nine ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine, you can get a one gallon sprayer, you can you can go in and kill off with grass and weed killer, um, the grass and weeds, broadcast the seed, put the fertile organic fertilizer along with deep woods or crop duster, lethal winter oats, carnage brassicas. Um, our clover, our chicory, most of our products will produce very well um, broadcast into standing vegetation and then knocking that vegetation over or cutting it down, you know, with a mower, riding mower, push mower, weed whacker. Um, if you have a brush hog, great, but most people don't have all those things, right? So we're we're planning in, in 2020 to do quite a few more video um explanations of exactly what you guys are talking about. I know you guys have done some really good videos on that and you've followed up on it. So hopefully that's encouraging um, folks that don't have those tools and or are new to food plotting. You know, they haven't convinced their wife to, to buy a quad with tools or to buy a, you know, a Packer Max or whatever else that, that, that they, uh, they need in their arsenal or think they need for food plotting. Um, in the meantime, they can still be successful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we run into that all the time. The guys that are serious about it, they're going to find a way to get it done no matter what what uh, step of the ladder they're on. But um, walk us through, let's say somebody has like a old field full of uh, goldenrod or maybe an old field, that uh, old ag field that's just growing up with uh, – ironweed and and maybe some pines or whatever what what can somebody should they be taking action now maybe uh mowing or, or getting that soil amended now or what what steps would you have for somebody that wants to put in some killer food plot seed in the spring in a situation like that well right now we've got we've still got some growth happening in those weeds so Applying a grass and weed killer, the plants need to be in a growth state normally to kill them off, to absorb that down to the root. Um, if you can create, even if you don't get a successful food plot in this fall, if you create a clean palette where you get it killed off, what you can do um, in the spring, every single one of our seed products, with the exception of climatized, smokescreen, and border patrol, they can all be frost-seeded. So our clover, our chicory, um, our white rage, our carnage brassicas, our deep woods, lethal winter oats, those, every one of those seed products can be frost-seeded. And what that means is that when we're in that transition between the snow and the rain um, trying to become spring, you can get out there, broadcast that seed over that clean pallet you created this fall, Go ahead and get your soil amended, get some lime out there. Even if you're not able to work it in, the fall is a great time to get some bags of ag lime. Try to do ag lime if you can because it'll continue to work for two years doing its uh, neutralizing. Um, the new KFP soil defender that we'll be launching at ATA in January is a product that, have, that will help to fix the soil. It can be sprayed with a backpack sprayer if that's all you have, a hand sprayer or some type of a, a pull-behind um, on a quad, a pull-behind sprayer. And it really gives everybody an opportunity to be able to be successful come springtime if you just get everything killed off now and start building the soil. Groganics can go in the soil now. Um, the lime can go in the soil, the things that need to be done. Get a soil test. We we can do the soil testing and turn it around um, literally within 24 hours of it hitting the door at our lab. You know, we'll get you the results, and we can walk through step-by-step step with exactly what you need to do this fall so that you're prepared going in the next spring. So speaking of that, Nick, um, 
I actually have a few of your soil testing kits to give away. We're going to be giving those away, I'm thinking, once a month over the next five months in uh, an effort for uh, soil improvement for the spring. Um, so listeners should stay tuned for that. And that'll be that, – that's really cool. I mean, we we did one for the Huntwise farm, and they turned it around within, I think it was like 36 hours. So it worked out good. Um and, and that'll be something to come. But you mentioned something a while back, and you mentioned it again there. And it kind of brings me to the topic of back, back to our food plots now, fall fertilizing and soil health. What do you have on the market, and what should we be doing right now in terms of soil defending, etc.? Well, a lot of us planted our food plots in you know, in mid to late July, early August, um, they're up and growing. We think that's it, right? So a lot of people forget right. that these food plots have to continue to supply in, in that replenishment or that regrowth. It's important that you feed those plots again. So right now is the time to get out there and, and add a little bit more food to that to that food plot. It's, you know, in a granular type fertilizer. Um, Groganics is great. You can run it out of a, a hand seeder where you can walk through the plot so you don't have to drive over your radishes and turnips and smash everything. It's a tough, it's a tough thing for, for folks to do um, to be able to fertilize. So a lot of times they just let them go. But we did, we are allowing people to buy soil defender at this point. We do have it available. Um, I know it's ahead of our launch in January, but um, if they're interested, they can uh, message us on Facebook or they can send us an email and we can get, get it in their hands. And that soil defender reduces plant stress. It builds the soils. It breaks down high phosphorus magnesium. It breaks down metals in the soil. Um, it actually will amend pH. So there's just a, a lot of benefits to that product. And it acts as a foliar fertilizer. It's a 777 MPK. And it can be applied right on the leaf and or bulbs of the plant. It gets into the soil and does its good work backwards through the through the uh, the leaf and stem down into the root system. Um, we're to receive we're receiving great feedback from the field testing we've been doing on it for the last three years, and we're getting three to four times the root development uh, versus not using soil defender. So we're very excited about that and to be able to get that in more people's hands so that they can realize the benefit. Okay. No, that's awesome. I know uh, I have a jug of that, and I'm about to go apply that right away. Is there is, is that like the regular type of fertilizer where you need to wait for a rain that's on its way? Will it burn food plots? Tell me a little bit about that and what people might need to watch no. out for. Yeah, no problem. So uh, the cool thing about Soil Defender is that it – it can be applied at any any time. It can be applied when when you're getting ready to spray to kill a food plot with the Roundup. Put it right in there, mix it in with your mix. It's not an extra step. Um, it can be applied to bare ground. So, you know, if you just found out about it and you're getting ready to plant, you can spray it on the bare ground. Spray it after you seed it. Um, it does help seed germination if you spray it onto seed that's laying, um, you know, that's in the soil or cultivated in. Uh, it can be applied fullerly right on top of the growing food plot. There's no real risk. The thing is, is that you just want to make sure that as you apply initial application, we're doing a gallon and a half per acre. Uh, we sell it in a two and a half gallon jug right now. At some point, we're going to probably start offering it in gallon jugs as well. But we I'm have been initiating all of my food plots with a gallon and a half and then coming back about a month or so later and applying that uh, additional gallon, the mix should be a minimum of 15 gallons of water to one gallon of soil defender. And the reason is, is the product is activated by moisture, by water, and it will also reduce any chance of it burning the foliage that you have, getting any tip burn. Um, you'd have to, you'd have to spray it straight really more than likely to be able to do that you know if you did it with three gallons of water and put it on uh, a gallon 
you'd still be hard pressed to burn the plants. So, so, but the more water, the better. So my recommendation is a minimum amount of water is 15 gallons to one gallon of soil defender. And so if that means, you know, you've got to break that down in a four gallon backpack sprayer to spray your plot. So you're not running over it with a quad or whatever, or if yep. you, you know, do some sacrificing of a few things in your plot for the better, <laughs> for the better of everything else, you can definitely do it that way. Okay. No, that's um, some great information for, for your products there and how we can apply them. Just in general, is there a rule of thumb on fertilizing an existing plot right now in hopes not to burn it? Yeah, I mean, if you you don't want to take like a straight urea, uh, you know, straight nitrogen 4600 and broadcast it over your plot this week when there's no rain until this weekend. So, because it will burn and it can be too hot. So triple 19, triple 17, triple 12, whatever your fertilizer is, you don't want to go put a whole bunch of that down in your food plot with, you know, 75 and 80 degree weather and no rain in sight. So, um, great tip. Definitely, you know, definitely you can cook your food plot if you do that. And it's not a, not a good thing. So, um, if you're going to apply this time of the year, generally speaking, I would apply at half rate. So instead of like 300 pounds to start a brand new food plot of, you know, say triple 19 or groganics, um, we're applying it at half that rate of 150 pounds. And that would, you know, that's how we would be feeding a, a food plot at about 150 pounds. And so that and will per acre, right. correct? That's per acre, correct, yes. And But still, you want to try to do it when you have moisture, when you know there's moisture coming. Okay. Or shortly after it's rained, right? So if you've got good moisture in the ground, you can broadcast it after the rain as well. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Fact, yeah, with the fact that we have five days of rain in Michigan coming, depending on where you are, um, some of you know some people are still in that seemingly uh, invisible dome that the rain keeps going around them. But right. for the most part, there's a pretty good rain coming. You know, you're going to want to try to get at least some of the fertilizer and you can go even lighter than 150 pounds put 50 pounds down and at least get some of that worked in and then you can put the additional in um in between the rain showers or or when they're done so yeah i have to tell you nick uh i'm fortunate to have a, a farm in ohio i live in pennsylvania but most of my friends have uh, camps in the mountains of Pennsylvania, and, and they're always saying, yeah, you know, I gave up on food plots. You know, you're lucky you've got that place over in Ohio with better soils, and I've kind of given up on that. But uh, my friend Dave talked to you at the ATA, and uh, he was just blown away by the information that you were able to share with him about the retain and, you know, with the rocky soil, and he wasn't able to keep moisture in his food plots and that's what was killing him so he got some retain off of you and his plots are unbelievable so you're you're really bringing a lot of people back into the plotting game that you know sort of gave up on it because you do so much research and, and put so much into your products well I, that's that's awesome i live for those stories because you know it there's nothing better than sitting over a bright green food plot full of groceries come hunting season and, you know, I'm glad to be able to get people back in the game. I, I'm planting in those same situations. I have customers calling me, and, you know, that's problem solving is, is at my core. That's what I love to do. And and so developing, you know, Groganics first and then Retain and now Soil Defender. And, um, you know, we're, we're excited about some of the new products that we have coming out, um, you know, and, and some of the ingredients that are in them. And, Humic acid is a main ingredient in soil defender, and it is a major plays a major part in soil health. Um, and there's going to be some new tech. There's going to be some new research coming out here soon. We've been working um, with some different organizations and doing some testing at some universities. And you know, CWD is at the forefront of everybody's mind, and it's affecting almost everybody's deer herd throughout the country and especially here in Michigan there's some big areas and um, humic acid is is proving to uh, be playing a critical part in handcuffing those prions so stay tuned for some 
some upcoming reports that are going to be coming out and some information on that front as well. We're excited. We're excited to be um, to be working with the people we're working with, and they are definitely leading the charge in trying to find a solution. So I'm not saying we have one, but I'm saying we're moving in the right direction to uh, um, to get there. So soil health is is a problem in more than Michigan. It's a huge problem and you know the origination of CWD in Colorado and and how the prion moves around and and how it's been you know brought into different states and um, it's very interesting as I've done a lot a lot of a ton of research and talked with a lot of different um, organizations and universities and, and um, you know people that are doing the research and the testing and trying to figure this thing out um, it's very exciting to see the number of people that are that are involved in trying to find this type of solution so yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that, and I'm always steering people towards your YouTube channel because you, you've taken a lot of time to put up so many videos to explain not only all your products but exactly what you just talked about, the why and the hows and the and what, what you're working on next. Uh, we want to be respectful of your time, though, Nick. Uh, we always appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrap this up? Yeah, the only thing I wanted to let people know is that we, we did kick off our new website at the beginning of the month, and we have free shipping, so if any of the things we talked about are of interest or, you know, people need them, definitely take advantage of the free shipping on the website. Um, if people do have questions, by all means, reach out to us. We try to be as available as we can to answer as many as we can. Um, if people are not sure where to start or where to begin, the videos you mentioned on the YouTube channel um, I didn't hunt in November in, in Iowa. I went to Iowa to shoot all those videos last year and uh, gave up my hunting I'm for, for that time of the year. And um, I can't wait to climb into a tree stand this year. It's been, a, it's been two years since I've been able to hunt because I've been hunting for solutions to problems. And, and uh, so, I, you know, just I guess that's what I have in closing is that I am 100% committed to my customer first and foremost but this year um my phone might be going to voicemail because i'm sitting in a tree stand. Right. it's going to be my time for for at least a few weeks um i'll be down well, you are yeah thanks man i appreciate that so nick uh yeah i just want to thank you again for coming on and you know your your new website looks great uh the free shipping is is huge i know that helps a lot with guys ordering you know five, six bags of seed, etc. Shipping, you know, is a huge pain in the butt in my industry, as in yours, and it's just nice for you to offer that. So, thanks for doing that, and, and thanks for coming on the show tonight. Uh, what are your hunting plans this fall, though? I mean, I want to well, see you in a tree stand more than anything, man. You've been, <laughs> two years, you gotta get you got to get back out there. Yeah, well, I, uh, I already forged, uh, I had to uh, forego my Kentucky velvet hunt um, because I yeah I had I the woods and water show and I had to some I had to be there and, and cover that plus I had some projects going on here so um, my plans my plans are and I will be is climbing into a tree in southeast Ohio uh, about mid November through the end of the month um, I will be down there for two weeks hunting our uh, uh, one of our lease properties down there that we manage and uh, with a group of guys that I hunt with and and same guys I hunt with in Iowa um, every four years since I'm a bow hunter but yeah the nice thing about Ohio is I can buy my tag over the counter and then I'm actually going to get back down to Illinois this year and do some hunting um, on my lease and then continue down further to Mount Vernon to go hunt with one of my good buddies Ryan and you know, I haven't hunted together in about five years, and so he invited me to come down. And so I'm looking forward to getting some tree tree stand time and regain some sanity and get focused for 2020 and get uh, get my my ducks in a row because the ATA will be here before we know it, and we got a lot of work to do to get ready for that as well. So I'm going to try to steal a couple of weeks and um, and then get back home and spend some family time in December, but still be working towards ATA and 
January. Well, hey, Nick, I know you uh, work harder than almost everybody I know. You guys are killing it, and your products are great. And if it wasn't for you, there wouldn't be guys like me with food plots that look as good as they do. Um, really, really happy for uh, your success. And I know, I know you, you know, put the customer first. And I just hope you get out there in the tree stand this year and maybe send an arrow through a nice box. So, you know, I'm well, wishing you luck. Appreciate it. Yeah, of <laughs> Me course. too. I hope so too. <laughs> of course, of course. Now you're you're a good guy, and you know if all this podcast stuff wasn't even a thing, we'd still be friends. So I appreciate yeah. you coming on tonight, and you know what? Thanks, I think Jerry. that's a yeah, of course. I think that's a great place to to wrap this up. So uh, you know, good luck. Thanks for coming on, and we'll keep appreciate in touch, it. buddy. All right. Well, thanks, Brian. Thanks, thanks Nick. You guys have a good one. You all too. Right. All right. Good luck this season. Thanks, Nick. And another Habitat Podcast episode in the books, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you, Nick, for uh, jumping on the show with us tonight. Always a great discussion talking with you, and I always learn something new every time we talk. So I want to appreciate you coming on, and then, uh, you know, the listeners once again. I want to thank the rest of our sponsors for uh, help supporting the podcast. We have the HuntWise Hunting App, Killer Food Plots, Packer Max Cult of Packers, and 5-2 Outdoors. Thank you guys for supporting the show. We couldn't do it without you, and we really appreciate it. The new website is up, my friends. Go ahead to HabitatPodcast.com and check it out. Got a bunch of new hats on there. You know, all of our episodes, for those who've never heard of us before, HabitatPodcast.com. Brand new website. And then you can also find, we post a lot of videos on Instagram and Facebook. So check us out at Habitat Podcast on both of those. Uh, you can check out today where I was out top dressing my food plots with cereal rye and uh, oats and urea right before a big rain. And so we go into some detail on that. Also, our YouTube channel. We're up to a few hundred subscribers now, so thank you all for that. Please keep on there and keep checking that out. We're going to come out with a game plan series on YouTube, more of a semi-live series where you can follow Brian, Al, and I throughout the hunting season. So it's kind of a new video series we're checking out. So go to YouTube and look up Habitat Podcast, and you'll find us on there. Again, thank you all for tuning in. We really love you, and we'll be back with the second food plot episode with Aaron Blicey coming up next. Take care, guys, and thanks for coming along with us as we become better Habitat Managers. Thank you.